<laughs> and I just think that there's a weirdly humanizing thing about Biden that he's just like, yeah, like my son's a fuck up and I think he's an idiot, but I love him. Start, I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land from which I'm dialing in from, which is Melbourne, Australia. The Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to elders past and present. So in this episode, we're going to discuss the other, the other other, which is the other town hall that happened simultaneously for everyone's benefit because, you know, why not get those two guys in the same room, right? Nah. We had to, we had to split them apart because, you know, they need a timeout. They can't handle each other. And this is where we're at, right, guys? This is Biden this is got the state cranky. Of, yeah, <laughs> everybody got cranky because old men getting cranky because they're on their meds. Let's not That's, forget that. You know, it's really an interesting thing that you bring up. It's it's very interesting that you have these two these two candidates and you put them on at the exact same time. So you kind of have to pick and choose who you want to listen to. Obviously, you can listen to them after the fact, but how many people are doing that besides us? Who, who did you guys find yourselves at least during the actual broadcast listening to more? I was working, but I chose to listen to Biden first because I knew I probably really get angry with, I mean, I probably get angry with both of them, but like Trump would just say outrageous stuff. And I'd just be like, it's kind of hard to not really get angry. But at this point, like I was listening it to, uh, over dinner, not over dinner, like while I was cooking dinner. And even even uh, Marion's like, I can't listen to this crap. I just I just can't. I'm like, how do you do this? How do you? I'm just like, I guess I've got a filter now. Like, I I I, I listen for what he's saying. Like, if eight, if you can filter out eighty percent, like we were discussing earlier, like mm-hmm. his points on pre-existing conditions and stuff like that. Like, those are some points really stick out. If you're looking to hear some talking points, you know mm-hmm. what the whole Republican agenda is. So I, I pretty much did the same with the Democrats. And obviously the first thing I realized was that, uh, what was his name? George Snuffleupagus, as I like to call him, because he's a little, <laughs> I love his good. name. I, like that. I love, I love that name. Um, I think, I think he might be a Clinton guy. I'm not sure. Probably, probably is. He's from he the Clinton. The, uh, yeah. He was the, uh, the press secretary. For yeah. Biden. So yeah. we already know that it's going to be all softball questions and he's never going to challenge Biden on anything. So well, Biden really had free We were saying in last episode about, about uh, Wolf Blitzer, you know, all yeah. these people are on the same team. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, so the, the reason why I feel like the Biden debate was more important, at least for the more so for obviously for the left is because we can, it draws out what the left is coming up against as, as we, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm calling it, but, numbers are numbers and the numbers compared to 2016 are looking way better for Biden at this point. So given that, like we've got, you've got the, um, um, what's it called? Fracking, for example, he was mentioning he's doubling down on that. Um, he's, he, I'm quoting him here. I will not ban fracking. Like mm-hmm. if you recall, Hillary Clinton wasn't that gung ho on that point because she knew she was losing votes. The more she said stuff like that. If anything, Biden is just all out on it. So he's he's giving us his positions, and mm-hmm. it's and um I'd like to address the fact that a lot of the left I feel um don't really have an idea what what they're about to go up against. If he's doubling down on these things now, like how much of a push does the left need? Like does the left have the organization? the 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 money rather the the able to coalesce around like the left is as often always fractures in in at least from what i've seen of the left on on any small issue they're always always going to have factions so can the left really coalesce and bring about change that like we've lost we we're not getting bernie let's be clear it's not going to happen to that point i think you know i mean not to cut you off no um, go for it i think to that point you know, and especially looking at the town hall and like to that specific point fracking, um, I think that the farther sort of leftist uh, 
you know, group of, of the voting public is already sold on voting for Biden. I think when he gives an answer like that, he's pushing towards those more centrist votes because they're the ones that have most of the potential of leaning on the fence and possibly going Trump. I think that they're, they're more, they're, they're less morally inclined, not to say it in such a flippant way, but they're sort of more financially inclined. Um, they're sort of going to be looking towards the conversation about the economy and less towards the like, what are you going to be doing about gay rights? Because that's what matters to them. Um, I think that the farther left you go in the political spectrum, the more you get towards a moral discussion and the closer towards center, you get towards a more economic discussion. So he's making that distinction very, very clear because those are the votes that he's trying to garner during this town hall. He doesn't care about the people who have already been like, yeah, we know we don't want Biden, but we, we want him more than we want Trump. So he's getting our vote period. He can go up there in a clown costume and, and you know, walk out into the audience and start slapping asses. And I think he's still going to get those people's votes. He at least didn't grab him by the pussy. It's really like, <laughs> I, that's what I see out of an answer like that. Well, fracking, the, 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 sorry, the, the, the jury's out on fracking. It's environmentally unsound. It's dangerous. It's a purely profit thing. And I think that's a bit of a gaffe on his point because we're starting to enter sort of this, um, this real green movement. And so going towards something that's almost like it's a fossil fuel, it's archaic. It, it, it's, There's a lot it, of divestment happening in, mm. in, in the Wall Street world or in Wall Street, rather, I should say, in terms of like, you know, a lot of funds trying to divest. I know in Australia, a couple of uh, retirement funds have pledged and have also started. A friend of mine is actually an activist in terms of um, she actually gets shit done. She like her group. Um, holds HSBC and stuff like that in terms of funding, like, you know, they target them and they get them to stop funding these things as well. So they're really out there doing work. some, yeah, some, oh, that's crazy hard work. It's, it's insane the stuff they're up against. And it's, and there's no like, you know, thanks for it almost because, you know, like people there's don't no money realize, yeah, there's no money in it. It's not sexy. It's not sexy at all. <laughs> I think so it's a when, little sexy, but there's no money. Know, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's no money in it. It is well, it is getting well. The thing is, it wasn't sexy. Now it's 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 a generational shift as well, which is why I worry with when Biden says let's go fracking because half of the Democratic base, I believe, who's below forty five, at least half of them, completely oppose it. Sure, but maybe they're sitting there thinking we can change his mind once we get him in because he'll speak for us. I wonder if to that point, especially looking at sort of some of his talking points, if the left is sort of um, misrepresenting Joe Biden as a candidate. Mm -hmm. I think that I worry a lot more about when you look at back when he was vice president, um, he has a lot of business ties, Joe Biden. He's a lot more um, fiscally inclined, so to speak, than I think that a lot of people who are going to be voting for him recognize or give him credit for. Uh, Joe Biden's a big at least he was a big war hawk. He was a very, very big part of why we entered into the Iraq conflict, so to speak, quote unquote conflict, because we don't call that a war because that's 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 bad marketing or whatever you want to call it. That's a bad word. So we call it the conflict. It makes people feel better about the fact that we destabilized that whole region. But he was all about that. And he made certain entities a very, very large amount of money doing so. Construction, arms deals. It, it, that's a lot of what Joe Biden is about. And it was fossil, fuel. fossil well, fuel. I think you well, he's to, also big on charter schools as well during the right. Obama Biden administration. Right. You can't forget that. I think that you have huge. to consider when you're when you're looking at these guys that, you know, to, to both of your points, uh, mm -hmm. you know, where where does the left go from here and their uh, you know inability to unite? The left is split down uh, into two factions, and it's split up between uh, one group. That is, you know, more towards the Bernie side, which believes that, uh, you know, economic changes are what leads to the kind of social changes that come afterwards. And then there is the other side, which I would say leans more towards kind of like the the, you know, Warren Democrat, which is definitely a lot of economic policy, but a lot of it is built on more like the identity politics side um, and this is the side that I think Biden has an easier time playing into. Um, so, you know, Biden is able to play into, you know, we saw him talking about, uh, you know, highlighting transgender rights, 
you know, which is the kind of stuff that the Democrats are always, you know, have an easier time moving into in each election cycle. Sure. Is identity pol- is an identity politics and, and human rights issue that is, at least across the Democratic Party, something really easy to agree on. And I think he realizes that from the left, this is all he really needs to do to at least remind a significant portion of the left that I may suck, but not as much as this guy, like it's not as much, not as much as this guy, which has been their main selling point for elections, you know, for the past, God, I don't even know how long for forever. Um, and, uh, and all we've seen through these debates is just the absolute resounding defeat of the left in, in, you know, all aspects. It's like, look at it. It's like, we have, we have fracking, which has been just totally just like, you know, go ahead and fuck us on that. Uh, you know, court packing, go ahead and just fuck off on that. Green New Deal, just go ahead and fuck off on that. Fucking Medicare for all, just go ahead and fuck off on that and let's fucking expand Obamacare. You know, the most the most uh, progressive thing that he has put forward, and I do genuinely hope he does, even though I don't think it's anywhere near enough, is suggesting that, um, you know, everyone's student loans are going to get 10K knocked off them, which would definitely be huge. I'm, you know, I'm not going to turn my nose up at 10K, but are they going to go through with it? You know, are they going to go through with it? What is it, you know, what is it going to look like? What sort of means? There's going to be strings attached to it for sure. I think what we need to stop, you know, we can definitely look at it and go, where does the left go from here? But I find that when people keep talking about, you know, like where is the left playing into this election? The left is not playing into this election anymore. They're not playing at all. They don't have a seat at the table. It's like we looked at it. We looked at it in the debate the week before, two mm. weeks before, when Biden went in there just being like, "I beat the socialist Bernie Sanders." This was yeah, them. but there, this goes back to the Bernie campaign as well. You, you know, and, and, it, goes, and they beat us. You know, and this is the reality, and they know it. They know yeah, it. they know it. They beat. They beat us. Yeah, we had. We had the mainstream media and um, like everybody else in mainstream democratic politics pushing, putting their thumb on the scale against Bernie for sure Mm -hmm. that, but like, you know, in their own way, but at the same time, you have to admit the fact that they out strategized the left. They, they hundred percent did. They won. You have to understand that they've like, and the listeners need to understand that as well. You can't just be angry and be like, Oh no, we should have won. No, you, this is politics. That's the hard like, truth. You, yeah. you got if you're gonna play politics, you gotta play politics. Like you can't right. just be like like going back to our earlier discussion we were having earlier. I think before we started the show about um, how the Republicans were like, oh, before you do something bad to me, I'm gonna do something bad to you. Well, that's the same, pretty much the same concept. Like you gotta be nimble and agile, and can't just like you know. I feel like before Super Tuesday everyone was kind of taking a backseat. I feel it's like, all right, we got this in the wraps. Everything's looking good. And then like they, they didn't have a, they didn't have a plan for what was going to happen. Like and to be honest and to be honest, like to, to not see the the corporate Democrats aligning behind somebody to not have that much vision. I honestly think that's, that's just short sightedness at that point. Like right. they didn't see it through. What, what we saw and the, and the takeaway. Biden had no ground game, dude. Right. He, had, he, had he no still ground. has the same strategy. He's he running no on the same game. exact strategy. And, and you know what? It's it's true that they <laughs> they pulled an unprecedented move to to give you know the knockout punch uh, to to Sanders. But the takeaway we should get from this, because I am, I've I've kind of gotten sick of people being like, you know, what it, what does the left do with Biden? And I can't help but look at it and be like, guys, I hate to break it to you, other than just you know, constantly bringing it up so that he's forced to address these issues. There's really nothing the left can do with Biden. Like the left lost here. Like the left got fucked. This is exactly. the but what That's the left, true. But, the, but there is lessons that the left can take away from this election. And, and the biggest lesson that the left should take away from this election is that, you know, the, the democratic party has had four years of, of dealing with Trump and just giving a total lackluster, uh, a total lackluster, you know, sort of resistance to him, you know, the hashtag fucking resistance, but just <laughs> not, not really getting in his way of any getting, getting anything seriously done uh, or really trying to roadblock him. But that in the face of a truly, you know, surging fucking leftist candidate, the first time Barack Obama gets involved since Trump gets elected is to make the call to fucking railroad this. So what it should, what the lesson the left should take away from this is that there needs, we need to get rid of this notion that, that there's working with these people to get this shit done. 
It's like mm-hmm. there needs to be a broad coalition that gets built and it's a fine line of not scaring people away while also sticking your ground. But we, we like this whole problem, you know, this thing with Bernie being friends with Biden throughout this campaign, it, that shit can't fly. It just can't. It can't. It can't fly. They when need- you're ideologically that different, like it's yeah, right, but that's and, the and way it's got to go. It's got to go that way because if he doesn't make that decision, I mean, I hate to play devil's advocate, but if he doesn't make that decision, then it, it you get yourself the same thing that happened in 2016. You bisect the vote, and the person who ends up winning is the person you're even more ideologically opposed to. I think the thing to take away from the whole Bernie Sanders of it all, so to speak, is he had low level individuals donate more money to him in such an unprecedented way. We've never seen that in politics. It's usually these sort of high powered, high paid entities throwing money at this person's super PAC or, you know, this person gets a hundred thousand dollars. Bernie Sanders had nobodies that nobody's ever heard of donating 10, $15 a pop, but it was everybody. It was a grassroots movement. And the result of that was he was crushed. It's what happens. It's that sad argument that came up years ago on that HBO show. If the Democrats are so freaking good and moral, why the fuck do they always lose? And it's because we bite ourselves in the ass because there's an established person who they want to win. You got to ask yourself, and I hate to put on the tinfoil hat and be a cynic about this, but you always have to ask yourself, why does this one person always come out of nowhere and get this sudden uh, upheaval of media attention? Everyone goes, that's the guy. That's the person. Let's all get behind that one. Why does it happen? Where did Biden come from? He just decided that he wanted to run and everyone got behind him and backed him. And suddenly this guy, Bernie Sanders, was no longer a viable option. That's simply how it goes. It's all about optics. And unfortunately, in this society that we live in right now, we simply haven't gotten away from that. Uh, When the media pushes this one person Everybody, for some reason, all in agreement goes, well, that's the person we should support because if we support anybody else, we're losing the vote. We're going to lose this thing if we don't get behind that guy. Everywhere I go, I see him. And instead of exactly. asking yourself, why is that? You ask yourself, would I want to be the person to get in the way of this progress? And that's where I, we're at. I think you're oversimplifying it, though, because I think- Probably that, a little bit. I think, in, a little bit. I think that in 2016, you had a situation where- we're not running against the Donald Trump in, that we are in that we were in 2016. Nor is uh, Biden hated like Clinton is. Yeah, exactly. But and and it, we're talking about totally different candidates here. And so much of the narrative surrounding Sanders in in 2020 was not to do that in 2016, which was all it was was a narrative. Sure. Statistically, statistically, Sanders voters did not decide that fucking election. Like it's 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 a total fucking fabrication. I don't doubt. Sure. That some in some swing states that were part of the people that ultimately decided the election. But to, but to fucking say that the 5% of Sanders voters who did not fucking vote for Hillary decided that election is, is it was, it was, it was Jill Stein voters. It was Jill Stein voters. Well, and we can go back (laughs) on the part of the fucking party. It was a failure on the part of the party. And while I agree Uh, at the same time, prior to South Carolina, the media narrative was that, you know, Pundits had already began to fucking, you know, sip their whiskey, getting drunk and, and accept it, getting sad and accepting the fact that Sanders was definitely on the path to where they were going. So the media narrative was even going in his favor to a certain degree. What were the Until they found their golden well, and that's what happened. The narrative did manage to fucking change. They saw their opportunity with South Carolina and, and they then, took it. And the DM, I don't know. Well, this is where this is where the Bernie campaign went wrong. They should have gone after Clyburn in South Carolina with the base and be like, "Yo, man, like we're coming for you." Like what he was saying. Like when when asked how he's going to change everything, he said, "I was going to go to Republican states and you know just basically hold rallies there and tell the people about Medicare for all." Why couldn't he do the same thing with the swing states when he needed the most? He could have been like he could he could have challenged it. The problem is he's been in. The office. This comes back to our uh, previous point I was mentioning earlier: the institutional power. He's mm-hmm. actually been in there for so long. He he might not be friends with everybody, but he works with everybody. He if he's not the amendment king for. But no that reason. hurts. That goes against him, though, in the sense that you can argue, you sit there, and go, well, he's trying to get so much stuff done. But in our government, when you try to sit that that position that he does, you don't end up getting anything done because you've got enemies yeah. on both sides of the aisle. Exactly. And to what you were saying earlier, Ben. 
I think that we would be remiss not to mention the sort of shadow that looms over the whole conversation, which is Bush, Gore, and Florida, and Nader, in the sense that there's this argument that still floats around with voters that by voting for the wrong person, you might damn the person who could have won that would be the lesser of two evils, quote unquote. And it always comes back to Florida, Nader, Gore and Bush. And in the exit poll that happened with all of those third party voters who said that they would have voted for Gore had they not had the third party option, and that being just enough to have swung Florida to vote the other way, which would have caused Gore to win the election. That always comes up in these arguments. And I feel like that's a big shadow that looms over all those people who might consider voting that way. They sit there and go, I don't want to be the next example of that. And I think that might be giving a lot of those voters a little bit more credit than maybe we should be giving some of them. But I also think that it holds true for a lot of them. Mm. Mm. I, mean, I think it's, I, all right. Then again, I'm a cynic. Remember, <laughs> I'm a cynic. <laughs> I'm a cynic too. But I, you know, we, we are in this situation where, uh, and because and Bush v. Gore does, you know, come up all the time. And something that drives me insane is that to this day, it still rarely ever gets brought up uh, that Gore kind of just like fucking laid down and took it. You know, that he was just he was so interested. Uh, he was so interested in just having the smooth transition of power that they kind of just gave up on this. Um, but you know, I'm not you know, I'm listen, I'm not going to try to go and relitigate what happened. in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole other episode, dude. We lost. So it, it's yeah, if we want to have a rant about that, that's fine. Um, but uh, but, you know, to go back to what we were talking about earlier, um, you know, Biden, what we saw in this in this town hall was just Biden willing to take a stand on some things that were very obvious. He talked a lot about, you know, listening to Fauci and like getting a vaccine and like standing up for trans rights, which is all objectively great things. But sure. then again, his total unwillingness to really make any sort of uh, make any sort of stances on things that matter, you know, uh, really just kind of just staying right on top of the fence on fracking. Um, saying, you know, his, his big fucking announcement that they made a big deal out, a uh, big deal out of in the, excuse me, in the news was his like being like, Oh, I will have a stance on, on what we're going to do about the Supreme court before election day. And it's like, Whoa, Whoa, man. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's like, it's like, what no, are you going to do? They're like, just trying to play both sides enough so that there's enough people that are like, we can push Biden to the left on it, man. When in reality, like we both know they're not going to fucking do shit. And, and he doesn't, but he doesn't want to make the fucking commitment so that he doesn't fucking freak out centrists who are like, well, I don't support changing these institutions that have been around for so long, even though my fucking grandparents was around <laughs> the last time they changed it. Um, so but it's, you know, but so that's what it was. The entire town hall was just Biden sticking to and not really making any sort of uh, clear stances on the things that are really, uh, you know, kind of big deals. You know, he, he went on and he talked about the crime bill um, and he was just like, you know, there were parts of the crime bill that were kind of a mistake. And it's like, go wow. on. And why is this coming out now? Why why is this like, where, where was this in the primaries? Like, yeah. Right. Where is this like, ever you know, been? Or ever, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like, well, that's the and, reality. And his, re and I can't believe he was like, oh, every black mayor, uh, and you know, and every black person voted for it in the caucus, and the mayors loved it, and all this other stuff. And I was like, that no one cares about that, buddy. They want to know what you think. Exactly. You're not and here to deflect. That's Trump's game. Don't don't exactly. do what he's doing. People don't respect you when you play his game. At the last debate when you started stooping down and trying to argue with trump i'm sorry buddy he's better at it than you you can't not only take that, that tactic not only that like he's 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 stomping on he's talking about something that he has no he has no moral ground to stand on like at at mm -hmm. this point like it, with the hindsight of history you can just see the devastation it's caused in terms of the prison industrial complex like we have more private prisons now because of that bill because it incentivized basically having prisoners and also basically slave labor or prison labor. Mm -hmm. And right. on top of that, like it just devastated a whole segment of the American population for a whole mm -hmm. generation. And it still continues to do that. We have the largest prison population in right, the so world. One in five, I believe one in five is incarcerated here. We have 20 or 25% of 
of the overall prison population. I think it's twenty percent. I don't want to miss. I don't want to misspeak on the statistics specifically, but I believe one in five that is incarcerated in the world is incarcerated in the United States, and disproportionately black and brown at that oh, as well. So absolutely. So, so there, there's no way, and obviously the the police, the policing problems that we see today is a combination of that crime bill expand expanding the police state expanding private prisons which sure. created a culture that relied on you know arresting people all the time to to fill the state coffers and uh just not only that it um perpetuate like with the with the iraq war and you tie that down together all the surplus military equipment that was created for all that came back to the states and the mm-hmm. local municipalities that bought up all these armored personnel carriers that we see on the streets in the protests, the Black Lives Matter protests that are happening today. This shit is coming back full circle right now. Right. Yeah. This we're like, never gonna delve into that the way that they need to, you know. Yeah. Well, of course, it's too so, dangerous of a topic. Yeah, they're they're not gonna really scratch the surface on it. There's just gonna be great. Yeah, I mean, again, they never really got went beyond just like scratching the very, very highest surface level of of all of these topics. Um, you know, I, the reality is, is what we're looking at right now is you have, uh, the democratic party is, they're not changing their strategy at all because they were handed a golden goose. They were handed a golden goose, which is, I, and I hate to say it, uh, Corona, Corona, Corona has been a golden goose for these people. They don't need, oh, sure. they don't need, to, <laughs> uh, holy shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they they, uh, they they don't need to. Sorry move. guys, they, sorry guys. This is not this is not you know fucking it up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, we like to have fun. We like to have fun here. Yes, it's we're we're yeah. seriously funny, funny, serious podcast. We're not yeah. you know we're not all gloom and doom. I don't. We don't want to send the message out. That it's all gloom and doom. The left is stronger than it's ever been in the last four years. We just want to make that clear. Yeah, I got I got sidetracked there, but what I was going to say was like the left was handed, or sorry, the, the Democrats were handed its golden goose, and that stuff has gotten so fucked up since Super Tuesday that they don't realistically need to really do anything. They really yeah. don't. They really don't need to do anything because even I admit, and like, and I can't fucking stand this guy that like if you asked me in February, uh, harm reduction wise, if I would vote for Biden, I would be like, fuck that, dude. Like, I just I've spent my whole life doing this. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm just like. Uh, like, Get this guy like the fuck what out. do I do? Get I mean, him out of there. I we want him the fuck out. And so they don't need to really do anything. They don't. They don't need to do anything. They need to make no. They don't need to make any promises. And this validates everything they they believe in. You know, right? Like, just like even even if they win by Biden being in the basement, it's just like, oh, this shit works. This is the strategy. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's right. It doesn't, <laughs> matter that he voted for the Iraq. it doesn't matter that he was an architect of the Iraq War. It doesn't matter that he was an architect of the crime bill. It doesn't matter that he is part of the reason that that all the financial institutions in our country have the kind of fucking power that they have. Yeah, people get fucked over in bankruptcy because of him now. It gets chalked up too. Mistakes were made and people are allowed to change their opinion. See, this is the same thing that Uh, came up for Hillary Clinton back in 2016, which was the argument of what what was her what was her view on on gay marriage before she started getting noticed for the potential of being the next president? She was pretty openly against it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was and then when she started and her get, vp pick yeah. to, like, you know and, well, I mean. and so and she starts getting that attention and her opinion switched very conveniently around election time and i'm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and assume that it was sometime earlier than that and she might argue it was earlier than that and i'm not going to be one of the people who says that like okay it's great that you can change your opinion to something that's a little bit more morally correct i mean i don't think anybody it doesn't cost you money it doesn't exactly. Cost it doesn't cost you anything, um, but this is the sort of thing that you know the left absolutely cares about, and it's very funny when you look at Biden and and his nomination leading up to where we are now, and how a lot of the questions that would have been asked to Hillary Clinton seem to be sort of getting ignored for Biden. I don't know. Let me put it this way: when I watched, because this is how I watched the town hall, I watched Trump until I. Couldn't stand it no more. <laughs> and then I switched over to Biden. And that was very, very 
what an interesting dichotomy it was. You know, I I got this this you know moments of these this asshole arguing with this woman, and then I switch over and it sounds like my grandfather on one of those times when he like kind of forgot what we were talking about and just sort of rambles about what he thinks we were talking about because that's what I got from Biden. I really just didn't get like you catch his Freudian slip. He had a, he was asked, there was a couple. Well, the, the biggest one for me, and I'm always going to be a foreign policy. uh, I'm going to be always harping on foreign policy. He's like, peace is breaking out all over the world. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. We're drowning in peace. (laughs) And then he goes on to say, We've always ruled, and then he stopped himself. And he's like, "We've been the most effective in being a world leader." So <laughs> that was a yeah. that was a nice little slip right there. Good old economic imperialism. Can we talk for a second about how like the gold standard that they keep trotting out uh, for like peace in the world right now is that Israel and the UAE are friends. <laughs> If we're supposed to be like excited about that, that like cap, that like literally unfettered capitalism manifested as a country was able to, <laughs> to, to be friends with literally modern apartheid. It's like, oh wow, so revolutionary. <laughs> yeah, because so UAE is a bastion of liberalism, you know? It's in yeah, the, in exactly. The like, oh. like, oh man, yeah, if there's a country that we should really model ourselves after, it's the fucking UAE. <laughs> One of the most democratic places in the world, to be honest. What a fun uh, name, though, right? right? Their differences in mutual love of, of the lower cast of people. <laughs> <laughs> supporting them <laughs> oh my god but it is so, yeah. something right yeah yeah it, it is it is something yeah and that's all they were trying to say it is something yeah but this is but this is what they've trotted out though is like it's like it, it, sure. peace, peace is coming all over the world and i'm just like yeah i'm gonna be honest man like any negotiation <laughs> like, well, put in place by like net and yahoo when it comes to it <laughs> i'm not gonna be like oh man i think this guy really has uh you know, peace in mind here. <laughs> like, sure. sure. Well, so to that point, you know, it's like, it's like, I, I saw the Trump town hall, like everything he ever does is just like a boxing match between him and whoever his opponent is. And then the Biden town hall was kind of like T-ball, you know, it was just like, here's this fun thing. Let's watch old grandpa Biden ramble about it for the next 20 <laughs> minutes. Oh, look at him. <laughs> Look at him go. And everyone's just sitting there clapping. Doesn't matter if he doesn't hit it past the pitcher's mound. He's just look at him run. Look so at him go. Something I've been wanting to ask you guys because there there is actually one thing for me where my opinion did slightly change on Biden and I saw a certain appeal. And I wanted to know if if through either of these debates, if there's been anything Biden has done that has really uh in any way like changed your opinion of him or humanized him in any sort of fashion because yes. that's a very up. fair question that's a fair question i did have a couple of moments though um uh i want to say when he was asked about the trump tax cuts he did have i would say a bernie-esque moment where he was just like nah it's not the rich ain't getting their taxes back it's gonna go like he said eliminate 1.3 trillion of the tax cuts that went to the one-tenth of one percent. And, you know, that's, he's probably throwing a bone or he's just probably throwing out rhetoric for anyone who just latches onto that. But um, but at the same time, he's selling the tax cuts by saying you'll have money now to get affordable health care, deal with your student debt, pay your mortgage. That's just, that, sure. you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, yeah, you're, 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 you're helping us out. But you're helping us out so that we can pay off all these debts because the economy is going to shit right now. So who's really getting helped out right here? Areas where Biden did at least have a surface level understanding of the Bernie campaign and Mm -hmm. and what his base and what Elizabeth Warren's base cared about was he and he had an interview back at 2016 where you know he pretty much said that the United States used to run on a basic social contract that if you put in the hard work, you would be rewarded for your hard work and there would be upward mobility. And that upward mobility largely does not exist anymore. And mm-hmm. so Biden is aware, at least at the service level, of what it's about. And and I from from what people understand, there have been articles about this that he has essentially met 
uh, with, you know, the ruling elite class within the financial world and just been like, listen, like, you know that I am not going to vastly change your life. And I am going to bring stability to this thing, but there are going to be a few things that you're going to need to kind of work with us on. And there has been a willingness on their part to do that with him. And they know that there is going to be at least a slight tax increase. Then I'm sure that there's going to be some sort of fucking loophole for them to get around anyway. Exactly. Always is. Let's, let's be real. So he's able to do that kind of rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, and it, it kind of pains me when sorry to bring Bernie back again, but like when he goes on TV or everywhere and just says he's going to be the most progressive president since FDR. Well, yes. I mean, mm. it's not. That's not. We're in 2020. FDR was in the 1930s, so just with the benefit of time, that gives him that edge. But yeah, like, I hope so. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but guess. then that ties back to the original question of can the left push him? Because if the left can push Biden, he will undoubtedly be the most progressive president without a shadow of a doubt. If Which is saying you know, what though? If, you know, it's what's the motivation though? Why? Like, what would push him? Like, okay, so when going back to your point on Hillary Clinton switching her, well, this is the thing about neoliberals. They're they're pretty much shapeshifters, you know, lizard lizard people, pretty much. Ah, just joking, <laughs> but like, not really. Uh, we're taking our bad thoughts, <laughs> using them for fuel, we're getting, to power the moon, get, which is a spaceship. We we get all we get our all our source materials from the uh, Infowars shows. It is actually <laughs> time for people. Yeah. No, I'm just saying like the, the de- podcast, so we should let our listeners know. <laughs> uh, so with uh, going back to like Democrats shifting positions, especially on like social mm. issues, if it's possible on the social issue, I I don't see why it wouldn't be in theory possible on economic issues if there is enough of a groundswell. Well, you know, to that point, and to tie it back to your question, Ben, um, Towards the end of the town hall, he was talking to, I believe, a millennial. And it was that discussion about whether or not he thinks the American dream is still actually an attainable thing. Mm -hmm. And they got into that sort of, you know, it's kind of a pandering thing. But the one thing that he said that I took notice to was he was talking about how he wanted to use part of his presidency to sort of oversee that transition of power towards younger generations that haven't necessarily gotten their fair share. And I might be paraphrasing, of course, because I don't think he exactly put it that way. That's what's important to me. You know, we're sitting as millennials, as being a generation who um, own, I believe, I believe we are responsible for 4% of the overall economy. We're 4%. Now, to put that into perspective, Gen X, which is one of the more disenfranchised generations at our age, held somewhere around 9% of the economy. And then the generation before them, it was somewhere between, I think, 12 and 16%. Mm -hmm. So we are a wildly, wildly disenfranchised generation of people. And and not even in terms of representation in our own government, but also in terms of a representation in the workforce, in terms of salaries, in terms of our net assets, everything. There has never in the history of America been such a financially disenfranchised group. So to hear him say that he wants to start to take the transition of power and start to hand it to the younger generation is something that kind of humanizes him for someone like myself who pays attention to that sort of thing. Having said that, I don't know how he can promise such a thing because most of that transition needs to happen on a corporate end. And I don't know how you convince as a president or anyone else, a CEO making millions of dollars to hand over the reins to the younger generation so that everything can kind of push up. Okay, there's these people and they're working the heads of these departments and they're all in their 50s, but they're all making decent six-figure salaries if you happen to work for a major corporation. How do you convince them to help the transition of power towards the younger generations because that head of that department used to be in his 30s back in 1984 and now happens to be someone in his his 50s? How do you actually accomplish that? It's heartening to hear, but realistically speaking, it just sounds like an an airless promise to the younger generation to pander to them. Again, it's never going to work out because- Corporations are autocratic in nature, so mm-hmm. right. no matter what, no matter the country might quote unquote democratically elect, and we can get into that in the electoral college of a sure. uh, episode. But uh, could uh, elect, you know, democratically elect anyone? But like, oh, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> sure. Well, let me to tie it home. I just I call, uh, you know, I I call bullshit on Biden giving a shit about millennials. Yeah, pretty much. And to be honest, like to him, the younger generation is Kamala Harris. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's passing 
to the the baton to the next generation. It's going to be mm-hmm. when he says younger generation, you have to imagine what kind of younger generation he has in mind. So when mm-hmm. I hear the word younger generation or you hear the word younger generation, you're thinking of somebody else. He's well, you're thinking, thinking of about someone personally. Yeah, and exactly. he might be thinking about people who are aged 40 and 50. Exactly. And you sit there and go, well, you know, they're not someone necessarily like the people who need help right now. Pete Buttigieg, someone like that. Yeah. Would be oh, a perfect example. In Again, sense. it's just Buttigieg uh, not bring him up. And why it. did he get a mention? <laughs> why did he get a mention in the debate? I remember he mentioned Pete Buttigieg in the debate because he's the there, because in their minds, he if there had been an insurgent candidate that they could have chosen, it would have been him. It's because so still it, keeping it's him relevant. in their mind, like they're well, yeah, exactly, because they're they're definitely looking at him because they look at him and they're like, wow, look at this like young guy who like talks like Obama except with like a thousand percent less charisma who you know also like spent his career as like low-key maybe being in the CIA <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know and fixing bread prices in Canada for a fucking terrible corporation but like uh, you know, whatever, all, all that shit aside but yeah you're right they did they did they did bring him up um but you know so it was so I, I actually do like Rory's point but I did find that it was uh, it, it wasn't that that did it for me. It's been over the past couple weeks. It's it's oddly enough, and I never would have guessed this. It's honestly been the shit with Hunter Biden that has actually humanized Biden for me because huh. I find that I find that Biden tends to have a weirdly honest opinion about his children. It doesn't it doesn't seem to be particularly political. And he and he seems to have a very self-aware sort of like it's like he kind of like knows that his son is an idiot failure and he doesn't really try to hide it. And he just kind of like it, it. And neither does Hunter Biden. Like Hunter Biden doesn't try to pretend that he's something he's not. He doesn't try to pretend that he earned anything that he's gotten. Like he knows that he's just the son of a politician and that he's you know that he's just and he reaping, lives his life. That he's way. just reaping these rewards of it and and. It, there's a certain humanizing level of it that like Biden is like, yeah, like my kid's a fuck up. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> he's a fuck up and I still love him. And I feel like for a huge portion of American, they look at that and they actually can like relate to that, you know, that they Especially can. Especially with the it. opiate crisis. And yeah, exactly. I think they can issues. look to it and they can just be like, he doesn't like, there's, there's no like sort of fucking effort on their part to like try to pretend that this kid is something that he's not. And I think that as much as they try to hit this kid on it and, and talk about their corruption, which like, by the way, like, I don't think that Hunter Biden is a good person or that Joe Biden is a good person or that any of the shit that Hunter Biden has done is okay. It's just that it's the not projection out, of it. It's not the outside the realm of any normal corruption that goes on within DC. Yeah. It's sure. all the same rewards. It's it's weird to see that be the main criticism while you look at the the opposition and Trump right. and his relation to right. his children. Like I heard a comparison the other day and, and one oh, he loves Ivanka. it's like, we talk about he, all the time. We talk about all the time, like the success of certain children of politicians are certain politicians children. Like you have like Chelsea Clinton and she's on the boards of all of these different like major companies. And it's like, listen, I don't doubt that Chelsea Clinton is a very intelligent woman. Like she had the finest educations in the world and like was surrounded by these powerful sure. people. But like, let's be real. Like she, she, the reason she has the, the sort of power that she has is at least hugely in part of because of the upbringing and the people that, that, raised her and the people that you know is nepotism nah, dude, it was the and internship she did come on yeah yeah <laughs> and then it's the same thing with trump jr and like ivanka and then there's this like hunter biden and he's just like yeah man like i like do crack and fuck hookers and like sit on a fucking board in ukraine and i'm just like i'm gonna be honest i i don't hate you i just don't i just like, no. it's like, and, I just, like, and i just think that there's a weirdly humanizing thing about biden that he's just like yeah like my son's a fuck up and i think he's an idiot but i love him to dive in deeper into this if you really study the the 1994 crime bill versus when hunter biden you know getting him getting off on his charges and how you know it was basically a slap on the wrist compared to most people um george stephanopoulos asked actually a good question um he addressed the fact that right now we've had a systemic problem how do you change that joe biden had a fantastic answer he said we're going to form a national study group 
with cops, social workers, and blacks and browns. That's basically his solution. <laughs> I think that it's such a hard problem. And, and retrain police officers to not shoot them to kill, but to shoot them in the leg. Oh, good. This is it's progress. just that simple. I mean, don't be wrong. Any progress is good in that particular area. Um, it's one of those things where for the longest time, I liked the argument that people came up with like, well, we need to, we need to create some sort of something to police the police, you know? And, and then the obvious response in my mind later became, okay, well, who polices the police police? And on it goes, <laughs> you just can't, you, you, you've got to find another answer. And I think a lot of that comes with better education. And I think it comes with better training. Uh, the idea that we always need to have someone to watch the other guy is just never going to work because it, it sort of, it suggests something that is not true of human nature, which is mm -hmm. there's always going to be in a system that allows corruption. There will always be corruption. That's just the way it is. If you allow a system that says this person's not getting paid well, and I can get them to, I can pay them better by getting them to do the things I want them to do, then that's going to happen. And it might not happen with everybody, but it happens with enough people to undermine the system. That's just the way exactly. it goes. That's where mm -hmm. we've gotten now with politics. That's why we're at this issue with the police force. That's why we have such a stratification of wealth because it, you get to a point where somebody has a, an advantageous position and they take full advantage of it. And here we are over a hundred years later, and we see the result. Period. That's just the way it is. I think. I think um, the fact that the debate, uh, that sorry, the town halls were kind of happening, happening, you know, concurrently. If, like Rory was saying, if you were flipping between channels and you were trying to decide who to vote for, it would probably piss you off to watch Trump, and you'd probably find yourself trying to watch Biden more if you had no idea what the hell's going on, or try just, just you know, just trying to figure it out. But then, but then. If if you look into it further, any any layman would see like, yeah, Trump is being grilled, but Biden isn't. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Well, there's the dichotomy between the two. You've got Trump getting grilled, but he's standing his own. And you've got Biden getting handed softballs and he's being boring as shit. Mm -hmm. And so there's a there's there's something to be criticized on both ends of it. And at the end of the day, you look at both and you sit there and go, what did any of this accomplish? I think yeah. that both of them played to their bases. And that's just what it is. I would say that if I was going to give a win to either side, I would give it to Biden because of those comments that he made about things like fracking, which I feel like play a little bit more towards the centrists who might be sort of in between. I've seen the progressive media also trying to push this narrative of just vote for Biden. If you want to see it at the table, if you really want to push when mm -hmm. push comes to shove, which I mean, it's going to be a difficult push because, you know, He's basically said, fuck the left. But, you know, like I was making this point, I think in the previous episode that if if you like the Nina, Nina Turner was saying, like, if you really want to fight neo neoliberalism, you got to get the neo-fascists out first. So um, but that's that's the reality of it. Like you can mm -hmm. dice it up any other way. Like you can be angry. You can cry. You can be like, I'm never voting for Biden. But the reality of it is one of them is going to win. and the sad truth is not for the majority of the world or even the majority of Americans rather, but it will be incrementally better for the people. Some, some of the people who really need like, you know, if you have the patient protection plan, that is fundamentally important to millions of Americans without a shadow of a doubt. Like mm -hmm. just, you can't, you can't deny that. But you're arguing is, logic, Nabil, in a world in which exactly. I would argue there's uh, a huge base of Trump voters who voted directly against their own interests. Exactly. It all just comes down to rhetoric and narrative. And the Democrats often, as we've discussed, miss this opportunity. They could, they're harm, they're, they're, yeah, they're missing the point on patient protection. They should be hammering that day and night. Mm -hmm. They could win on that alone. Well, I, I'd say the one thing that's refreshing for me is we've gotten away from like gun arguments and religious arguments, the sort of things that like. Well, you can thank the NRA for being like, you know, fucking yourself <laughs> over. So <laughs> that's why we haven't heard from them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's refreshing. Yep. But uh, I think I think that's a that's a good wrap on this episode. Um, Don't forget, boys, you go far enough left to get your guns back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs>
I'm 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 excited to have the 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 gun episode with Nas on for sure. Uh, oh, I definitely, I definitely want to be on that one. Yeah, that's yeah, sure. I can't wait for that one. That's very exciting. We can uh, sit and all yeah. talk about guns and our rights and how freedom isn't free. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the general, I mean, the general takeaway that I had oh. too long, too long didn't listen or too long didn't watch whatever uh, is that I you know I pretty much agree with Rory here. I don't think any minds were changed. Uh, I think that at this point, the only thing that Biden's campaign or any of his stuff serves to do is to simply make people mm. on the left or make people in the center more comfortable uh, with voting for him. And all Trump's town hall did was serve to do the same thing, except with Biden, is just to yeah. serve Biden voters with just people who were on the fence about whether or not they wanted to suck it up and pull the lever for Biden on whether or not it was bad enough that they felt the need to do so. Um. And that's that for this episode. Uh, remember to like, share, and subscribe, Progressive Rants. Um, follow us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Leave us a review on iTunes, like us on SoundCloud, and all the good stuff. Um, That's it for episode 8. Episode 9 will drop on your feed very soon, and it's a discussion on the Electoral College. Given the time that we're in, it's going to be quite important, an episode. Um, Definitely do not miss that one. There's a lot of good stuff in there. This is Nas. That's it for me. Goodbye. See you on the next one.